Let's pray together. I want to ask God to meet us in the word. What a rich feast you've already given to us, Lord, through worship and through your gifts and through being able to pray for our brothers and sisters. Thank you for the joy of gathering with your people. And Lord, I pray for strength to preach. Give me clarity of mind and uh, even deeper understanding into your word. And Lord, I pray this, this could be a life-changing passage of scripture for for people here this morning. And I pray that it would be. And I pray that you would speak. I pray that you would unleash the power of your word. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Good. Well, here's the question I want us to start off with uh, this morning. And, and that is, what do you do at those times when your heart uh, is weak? I'm not talking about your physical heart here. That's another question, okay? I'm talking about your heart as the Bible uses that word, which is the center of your being, the place where joy occurs, the place where hope is, is there, the place where, where meaning and identity and your, your emotional heart. What do you do when your emotional heart is, is weak? Like maybe you are going through so many trials, or maybe you are facing lots of trials, and right now your heart is feeling uh, discouraged and fearful and hopeless. It's weak. And so what do you do when your heart is feeling that way? Or maybe you yesterday lost your temper with your kids and woke up this morning feeling guilty and dirty and far from God. Or maybe maybe you're keenly aware of some ongoing pattern of sin over the last couple of weeks or months or years and you are feeling guilty before God and dirty and, and unacceptable before him and far from him. And so you're weak because this guilt is just, is just weakening your heart. What do you do at those times when your heart is feeling weak? Or maybe your heart's just feeling nothing. Maybe there's no meaning there. There's no passion there. There's no joy there. There's no fervor in your heart. And so your heart is weak. And what do you do at those times when your heart is weak? What do you do? What do you do when your heart is weak? And that's what the author of Hebrews tells us about in Hebrews chapter 13. God, through his word, tells us, his creatures, what we should do at those times when our hearts are weak. So let's turn to Hebrews chapter 13, verses 7 through 13. Now, if you need a Bible, we want to pass one out to you that you can use this morning so that you can have a Bible open in front of you. So raise your hand. Don't be bashful. Hebrews 13 is on page 1009 in the Bibles that we are passing out. We'll be looking at verses 7 through 13. Now, before we dig into this passage, though, I want to kind of get the big picture of what the author of Hebrews has been doing through the whole book so far, so that we can kind of sit back and get a review. So, got a picture up here. It'll be on the screen. It should be in your um, on, on your notes there. Do we have it? Next slide. Boom. Can we, there you go. There it is. So, let's just take a, a quick trip through the book of Hebrews so far. From chapter 1, verse 1, all the way through chapter 10, halfway through, what the author of Hebrews tells us about is Jesus Christ. 
That Jesus Christ, he says, who came to earth 2,000 years ago, isn't just a man, he was fully a man, but he's also the Son of God, fully God. And that he died on the cross, and in dying on the cross, he paid for our sins, and he destroyed the power of death. And because he came to earth as a full man, he was tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. And so he can sympathize with us. You'll never turn to him and say, what's that? He says, I understand, come. I understand, come. This is our Jesus. Died on the cross, broke the power of death, paid for our sins, sympathizes with all of our weaknesses, and so he is the perfect high priest with the perfect sacrifice for our sins. That's chapter 1, verse 1, all the way through halfway through chapter 10. Then the second half of chapter 10 There's four big therefores. Because that's who Jesus Christ is, therefore, let's draw near to God through Jesus. Have you done that this last week? Have you drawn near to God through Jesus Christ? That's the first therefore. And part of that is let's keep clinging to God's promises, which are true for us in Christ. And then third, let's encourage each other to hold on to God's promises. And then the fourth, therefore, is let's nurture in our hearts stronger faith in God as our better and lasting possession. He's our prize. Knowing God through Jesus Christ will stir up faith in him as our prize, our possession. Then, to help us understand why it's so important to stir up faith, in chapter 11, the faith chapter, he explains why faith is so crucial. It's because the only way to please God is by what? Faith. And it's only by faith that we can fight temptation. It's only by faith that we can endure trials. It's only by faith that we will see God's miracle-working power in our lives. It's, all these things are only by faith. That's where we've got to nurture faith. And then flows from that into chapter 12. He says, therefore, because of how important faith is, let's run with endurance this race of faith in Jesus Christ. Let's run this race of faith. And to do that, we have to lay aside encumbrances and sins. That's costly, though, which is why in the second half of chapter 12, he says, yes, it's costly, but the salvation, the inheritance that is ours lasts forever and is of infinite value. So lay aside the sin, lay aside the encumbrances, and let's run the race of faith. And then that brings us to chapter 13, where he deals with specific areas that the readers, his readers need help in. So verse 1, stir up brotherly affection, brotherly sisterly affection for each other. How's our affection for each other been doing? Other people that you're like, eh, with, okay? Stir up brotherly affection. He urges us to show hospitality to each other, to visit those who are in prison because of, because of the persecution, some are in prison. And then he also encourages us to pursue sexual purity. And last week we saw that we should not love money. So he's dealing with specific topics here in chapter 13 to kind of bring this book to a close. And then in verses 7 through 13, he tells them and he tells us what to do when our hearts feel weak. Look at what he says. Start in verse 7. Remember your leaders. Those who spoke to you the word of God, consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods 
which have not benefited those devoted to them. We have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin, those bodies, those animals' bodies, are burned outside the camp. So Jesus also suffered outside the gates in order to sanctify the people through his blood. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. Now, I think the main point of this passage is verse 9. Let me read it again. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods which have not benefited those devoted to them. So I think the main point is verse 9, how to be strengthened, how to have your heart be strengthened. But but what about verses 7 and 8? Those verses talk about remembering our leaders. So why is that so important, that we remember our leaders? Look at what he says again in verse 7 and 8. And notice what they were to remember about their leaders. He says, remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God, Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. So who are these leaders? Well, notice that he says that that they spoke to them the word of God. Past tense. In the past, they spoke to them the word of God. So I think that this is not referring to their present leaders, or he would have said, remember your leaders who who teach you the word of God. He says, remember your leaders who who in the past spoke to you the word of God. So I think he's referring probably to the apostles here. And he mentions them in chapter 2 also. So he's talking about the apostles. And he mentions three truths about them that he wants them to really take hold of. First one, they spoke to them the word of God. Okay, He mentions that specially. The apostles were devoted to God's word. God had spoken to all of us in the person of Jesus, and God's word is about Jesus Christ. And so the apostles were devoted to God's word. Remember your leaders. They were devoted to God's word. That's the first thing to remember. Second, consider the outcome, the beautiful outcome of their way of life, of trusting the word of God. Their trust in Jesus Christ, their devotion to God's word, had a beautiful outcome of their life, forgiveness and gentleness and kindness, faithfulness and perseverance through trials and loving their enemies and devotion to Christ. So consider the beautiful outcome that devotion to Christ and his word had in these apostles. That's the second thing to remember. And then third, they had faith. Imitate their faith. They had faith in the word of God about the Lord Jesus Christ. So Putting all this together, here's what I think he's saying. Remember how your leaders' faith in the word of God about Jesus Christ transformed their lives. Remember how that happened. Remember how your leaders' faith in the word of God about Jesus transformed their lives. Imitate them. Imitate that faith in God's word. And his point is that Jesus Christ will do the same for you today, for those who are reading this letter and for us today. Jesus Christ will do the same. And the reason... We know that's his point is because in verse 8 he says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday for the apostles and today for us and forever. So here's what he's saying, verses 7 and 8. Remember how your leaders 
had faith in God's word about Jesus Christ and how this transformed their lives and understand that that same transforming power through Jesus Christ is yours. It was theirs yesterday, it's yours today, it'll be yours forever. But now why is it so important that they remember this? Why is that so important for them to remember? And it's because verse 9 tells us that they were in danger of being drawn away from trusting God's word. Remember verse 9? Do not be led away from God's word by diverse and strange teachings. So verses 7 8, he's saying, remember how your leaders' faith in God transformed their lives, and Jesus will keep doing that today. So therefore, verse 9, don't be led away from the word of God. See how that works? 7 and 8 flowing into verse 9. So that's why it's so important that they remember their leaders. Okay, now, what's this strange teaching that they were being tempted to be drawn away to? He's just said, remember how your leaders' devotion to Christ and God's word transformed their lives? Imitate them and trust in God's word. Don't be led away by strange teachings. But what was the strange teaching that they were being tempted to turn away to? And read verse 9 again. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods which have not benefited those devoted to them. So the strange teaching was that their hearts would be strengthened by food. That was this strange teaching. Now, we don't know exactly what this teaching was, um, but we can just get a few little, little hints. Like, for example, in verse 10, the author is referring to the Jewish priests who were offering animal sacrifices in the temple at that time when he's writing this, this letter. And so this is probably something taught by the Jewish priests at that time. But the Old Testament never taught this. The Old Testament never taught that believers' hearts get strengthened by eating certain foods. Never taught that. It taught that you shouldn't eat certain foods in order to distinguish Israel from the cultures around them. So you don't eat bacon, right? You don't eat clams, okay? There are certain foods that you, you would not eat. But never did the Old Testament teach that you would get your heart strengthened by eating certain foods. Nowhere in the Old Testament do we see that. But this seems to be something that was being taught by the Judaism at the time that the author wrote this letter. Okay, but now most of us, we don't struggle with this. Okay, we don't think that when my heart's weak, unless it's like, you know, haagen or something you think is going to, you know, or what's in the fridge, right? Sometimes we, maybe some of us do deal with that, but... But most of us aren't tempted. It's like my heart's weak. I'm going to go like eat some, you know, paleo thing, and somehow, I mean, again, there there may or may not be health benefit in those things. But for most of us, that's not our issue. But the main point the author is making in verse nine is, yes, don't turn to foods. But his point is the only way for your heart to be strengthened is by what grace. It's the only way. As the only way your heart will be strengthened is by grace, grace, grace. So there's lots of things we tend to turn to besides God's grace. It may not be foods, but there are other things, right? Six-pack, okay, get some me time at the spa, okay, you know, uh, 49ers game, maybe that'll rev me up as long as they win, okay, or doing some good thing, I always feel better when I do something good, or maybe some work of righteousness that God will kind of you know, reward me for. There's lots of other ways 
that we seek to have our hearts be strengthened besides turning to food and besides God's grace. So can, can you th- think in your own mind, what do you turn to besides God's grace at those times when you are feeling fearful, worried, guilty, far from God, empty, lifeless? Besides God's grace, what do you tend to turn to quickest, fastest? What the author wants you to understand is that there's only one way that your heart will be strengthened substantially, genuinely, deeply, feelingly, lastingly. It's only one way. Other things can bring about you know, immediate changes, a little here and there, but to have real, substantial, so that you're facing the trial, but you, you have peace. You, you've, you've lost your temper with your kids, but, but forgiveness is here. Guilt has lifted off, and God's love is here in Christ. Or if you're just feeling empty, and then, but then you, you meet the Lord, and there's joy, and there's purpose, and there's life. There's only one way that your heart will be strengthened substantially, deeply, powerfully, truly, and that's through grace. It's the only way. That's what the author wants us to understand. Now, why? Why is that? So I think he answers in verses 10 through 12. Why is it only by God's grace and not by foods that our hearts get strengthened? Why? Why is it only by God's grace? Okay? And he gives three reasons as I've studied verses 10 through 12. I just want to warn you, one commentator said these are the hardest verses to understand in the book of Hebrews. So I'm just going to give my best shot here, all right? And we, we want to be good Bereans where we search the scriptures. You're supposed to search the scriptures to see if what I'm saying is right. Because Jesus will not ask you, did you agree with Steve? He will ask you, did you read the Bible? Okay, that's the important part here. So here's my best shot at understanding these three reasons that he gives. The first reason for why it is only by God's grace and not by foods that we can strengthen our hearts. First reason, it's because the only altar that can strengthen us is the cross where we are able to feed spiritually on God's grace. I think that's the point of verse 10. Look at verse 10. He says, we have an altar. We, New Testament believers, we have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat. Now here's the background. At the time when he was writing these words, the temple was still standing Jewish priests were still offering animal sacrifices. There were Jewish priests who had turned their backs on the cross, who were ignoring their Messiah coming, didn't believe in Jesus, and they kept offering animal sacrifices at the altar. And that's what he's talking about in verse 10. That's the altar. They were offering animals on the altar in the temple. But that's not our altar. Okay? Our altar is, as you can see in verse 12, Jesus suffering on the cross. So we have an altar. It's not in the temple. Our altar is the cross. This is the altar that we believers have. When we look to faith at the cross, at all that Jesus is for us through his death on the cross, when we look by faith to to Jesus Christ and all that is ours through the cross, when when we do that, we can feed spiritually on God's grace. 
We will feed, we will eat spiritually and be, if our hearts be strengthened by God's grace. But as long as those Jewish priests kept turning their backs on Christ and kept ignoring that altar and put their focus on the altar in the, in the tent, in the temple, they could not feed spiritually on God's grace, which would be theirs through the cross. And so why is it only by God's grace and not by foods that we can strengthen our hearts is because the altar that God has provided for us is the cross where we look to Jesus and receive God's grace through what he's done. That's the first reason why. Does that make sense? Helps. So that's verse 10. Second reason. It's because God's people never, have never had their hearts strengthened by special foods. Verse 11. I think that's his point here. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin, their bodies are burned outside the camp. I think it's possible that this strange teaching might have said something like this. When the sin offering is, when a bull sin offering is offered on the altar, if you could eat a little bit of that, that that's going to that's going to like bring you big old big time favor from God. Okay, if you could just eat a little bit of that that sacrifice on the altar, big time favor from God. But the Old Testament never taught that. Never taught that. And to make that point in verse 11, the author is reminding us what happened when like the bull of the sin offering was put on the altar. What what actually took place there? Do you remember what happened? Here's what happened. I'll tell you. Beginning of Leviticus, you can read it. What was burned on the altar was all the fat and the kidneys and the liver. That was it. That's all that was burned on the altar. Everything else, all that meat, okay, was taken to the trash dump outside of the city and burned up there. Nobody ate that. The priests didn't eat it. Nobody ate it. Now, there were some offerings that the priests did eat from. Okay? But not the sin offering. Not the sin offering. And I think the point is that, listen, God's people have never gained strength in their hearts from eating certain foods. And you can see that because the sin offering, nobody ate of it. I think that's what his point is. So that's the second reason why it's by God's grace and not by certain foods that our hearts are strengthened. It's because God's people have never had their hearts strengthened by eating certain foods. Okay, see the the power of that? Third reason. It's because we can only be sanctified that is strengthened through Jesus' blood. I think that's the point of verse 12. But before I read that verse, let let me make the connection. When your heart is weak, you're worried about the future, feeling guilty for your sin, just feeling empty, what you need is to be sanctified. See, sanctification can so often seem so distant and so like, what does that even mean? Well, that, that's what your heart needs because when, when you're worried about the future, your, your faith is weak. There's unbelief in your heart. That's what's happening with me. When I'm feeling guilty, I'm, I'm far from God. I haven't come to the cross. So I've got unbelief issues that are keeping me away or whatever it might be. And so what we need when our hearts are weak is we need to be sanctified. You need to be sanctified. But here's the problem. You can't sanctify yourself. You can't change your heart yourself. Only God's power can bring his Holy Spirit upon you and sanctify you and change your heart and strengthen your faith and show you who he is. Only God can do that. But how can God do that? Because we're all sinful people. Okay, We are sinful people. 
Like Josh prayed so powerfully this morning. It was such a, man, it loves. Oh, Lord, yes. We are all sinful people, so we in ourselves can't receive anything good from God, especially not being sanctified. So how can we be sanctified? Verse 12. Here's the answer. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. That's how. The only way a human being can have their hearts strengthened through God's power is because Jesus paid for our sins on the cross and you're trusting him. It's the only way. It's the only way it can happen. So that's the third reason why our it's only by God's grace and not by certain foods that we can strengthen our hearts. It's because we can only be sanctified, only be strengthened in our hearts through Christ's blood, which brings us God's sanctifying grace. Okay, there's the passage. Now, let's just pause here, and I want to see if any questions have been, been stirred up. We've just kind of gone through some kind of tough sledding here. And before we move into the application about, well, how do we do that then? I want to see if there's any questions so that nothing's holding us up from, from taking this passage fully in. Excellent. And, and um, what I decided to do is, because that's a theme that's now come in here in, in verses, what, 11 and 12 and 13, or 12 and 13 especially. And we're going to talk about that next week because those who come to Christ with their heart weaknesses, those who love Jesus and love God's word in Jesus Christ. And we, we will bear reproach. And that's a crucial part. We, we, we need to bear Christ's reproach. That's going to be huge. Uh, I, I didn't emphasize this enough, obviously. So here's how that verse helps. He's saying, remember remember your leaders, their, their trust in Jesus Christ and God's word about Jesus Christ and how their lives were transformed. Remember the beautiful lives the apostles lived? That will be yours as well as you put your trust in Jesus Christ because Jesus was the same. What he did for them, how he transformed them, he will do for you today. And he will do for you forever. So I think that's, that's how verse 8 just, you know, uh, buffers verse 7. And that's, that's absolutely true. Listen, Jesus did not just transform the apostles' lives 2,000 years ago, and now we're just all like thinking about how awesome that was. You can be transformed today. Your heart can be transformed. I mean, think of Paul transformed, right? He was seeking to murder Christians. And he, at least from what we read in the New Testament, nobody suffered besides Christ. Nobody suffered more than Paul for Christ. And so the power that transformed Paul and gave him such a life of love and such a life of devotion to Christ, Jesus is the same yesterday with Paul and today with you and forever. So I think that's the point. To be strengthened, to to let someone else strengthen you. Right? And so it is something we do. But we're keenly aware that we we use the means God's given to us and he's strengthening me. So we use the means and he strengthens us through them. So we do it and then he does the work, right? So we we take the step. It's a command, but it's a passive verb. Yes, it's grace from start to finish. We don't start with grace and move on to our own efforts and works and duties. It's grace from start to finish. Isn't that awesome? Oh, it's such good news. That's why the verb is passive, right? Okay. 
And let me segue into how we do that with this last question, okay? So the last question is how do we strengthen our hearts through God's grace? What do we do? And the answer is in verse 13. Therefore, so here's the punchline to the whole passage. Therefore, most important word here. Therefore, let us go to him. Let's go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. Now, like I said, next week, Lord willing, I'm going to unpack what it means to bear his reproach because going to Jesus will bring you reproach. But that's next week. This week, I want to focus on let's go to him, going to him. The way we strengthen our hearts through God's grace, the way that we are strengthened is by going to Jesus Christ. We, we go to Jesus. Now, that's something that can too easily, though, just become a cliche. Well, if you would just go to Jesus and you'd be fine. Yes, but what does that mean? I mean how, how do you do that at 1.30 this afternoon when you're feeling totally discouraged about something? How do you do that? How do you go to Jesus? He's not here right now, right? He's at the right hand of God. Well, okay, yes, Dave's right. So how do we go to him? And God has given us the word which is all about Jesus Christ. Here is the description of who Jesus will be to us. And the way we go to Jesus is by opening up the word of God or by thinking of scriptures in our minds about Jesus. And then we, we meet Jesus in the truth of who he is. When we turn our hearts to the truth of Jesus Christ and we talk to him about who he is and we ask, would you pour out your Holy Spirit upon me now so I believe this. So it's not just words on a page, but I see the truth. As we, as we do that, we will receive the grace that strengthens our hearts. We turn to the truth of who God is for us in Jesus Christ. We, we open up the scriptures. We, we pray change my heart, help me to see who you are, and then we will meet Jesus spiritually in the truth of his word, and God's grace will change our hearts. Now, let me tell you how this happened to me Thursday morning, just to give you a concrete example. So Thursday morning, I was studying this passage, okay? Okay, the main point here is that my heart can be strengthened, not not by foods, but by grace. And as I was studying it, there was kind of this growing Holy Spirit conviction, uh, because my heart was not strong Thursday morning. My heart was very weak Thursday morning. Uh, two reasons. One is I, I've, I've been fighting this flu, and it just kept, it's just going on and on and on. And you wake up, Jen says, how are you doing this morning? I'm going to be great, you know. But, but, and, and I was just discouraged. Uh, when, when am I going to get over this thing? And so I was, I was kind of grumbly, you know, and I was kind of frustrated. And then... And the second thing was that there was something I was worried about that might happen that was filling me with fear as I looked ahead to the future. So my heart was not weak. I'm sorry, my heart was weak. My heart was not strong Thursday morning. So I'm working on this passage. This is how our hearts get strong, and the Holy Spirit's... I've got to study the passage. I've got energy for this morning. I may not later on today. Okay? And it's like, okay. So I closed up didn't close up the Bible. I, I took my little packet of, of Bible memory verses. Jan was not there Thursday morning at the house. Like I, my office is at the house. So I, I was just walking through the house, and I just started to, I took the first verse, which was on top, which was from the book of Judges. And, and in, in this verse, 
very clearly, Jesus Christ is in sovereign control of the future. And, uh, and I prayed over that. And I said, help me, to, help me to believe that. Help me to believe you're sovereign, and then help me to believe that you're good. And uh, it took a little while, but I met the sovereign Jesus before me. I saw him. I met him in the truth of his word. And my heart got a little stronger because I, I saw it. Took a little, took a little battling. It, it took some preaching to yourself. Okay, you got to preach these verses to yourself, and you got to pray. But the Holy Spirit, by God's grace, strengthened my heart, and fear about the future diminished. Don't overstate it; diminished. And the second verse was First uh, Samuel twelve twenty two, where God says, "For the Lord will not abandon His people on account of His great name." And so. Here's Jesus Christ, who will never leave me or forsake me because of the glory of his name. I'm naming his name. He's not going to let his name be profaned in any way. So if I'm naming his name, he's there. He's with me. Which means he's with me when I'm sick. Okay? And he's sovereign over my sickness. I mean, he could just say the word and it would be gone, right? Just gone. Poof. And I've been praying, oh, heal me, heal me. But no, 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 not, not yet, not yet, not yet. And so seeing that Jesus was there with me, that he was sovereign over my sickness, that he was going to give me grace and strength, I got a little stronger. And then the third verse was 1 Samuel 15.22, which says, how does it go? 1 Samuel 15.22. For the Lord is not delighted in burnt offerings, but in obedience, right? It's obedience that that delights the Lord, 1 Samuel 15.22. And what, what I saw was, that all I'm responsible for is by his grace seek to do what he's calling me to do and that he will take care of the rest. He will take care of every detail in my life. If I will seek first his kingdom by his grace, he's got to enable me to do that. That as I do that, he will take care of this issue and he'll take care of my health issue and he'll just take care of everything. It's what I just need to be obeying him by his grace following what he's called me to do. So here's what happened. Over about a 15-minute period, of reading these three scriptures and preaching them to myself and confessing my unbelief about parts of them and asking him to strengthen my faith and then praying about them some more, my my heart, by God's grace, was strengthened. I, I, I met Jesus. So that's how we go to Jesus. Jesus will stand forth to us from the truth of who he is in his word. We don't close the Bible and just say, Jesus, come, come, ooh, come. We, we meet him in the truth of his word. And the Holy Spirit will make the truth of who Jesus is so real in our hearts that we will meet him in the word and we will be strengthened that way. That's how we get strengthened. That's what he did for me on Thursday and that's what he will do for you too because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. So here's my call to you. Think about the apostles the beauty of their lives, and that all came from their trust, their devotion to Jesus Christ is revealed in their word. And Jesus Christ will be the same to us today as he was for them yesterday, and he'll be the same for us tomorrow. So therefore, don't be led, us, led us, uh, astray by diverse and strange teachings, or by thoughts thinking that what's going to strengthen your heart is foods, or this, 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 anything besides God's grace. The only way to have your heart substantially, deeply, feelingly, lastingly, truly strengthened 
is by God's grace, and we access God's grace by coming to Jesus Christ. It's not just that we came to Jesus five years ago when you were saved, right? We're just, we, we come again and again and again. Do you know what it is to, 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 to go to Jesus? Do you, do you know what that is? Let's let the Lord stir that up in our hearts. That's the only place to get the strength that we need. Let's stand together. I want to pray this over us. Lord, I pray that you would point out to us right now by your Holy Spirit those things we turn to besides your grace in Christ to strengthen our hearts. Help us see what those are. Help us see what those are, Lord. And we want to turn from them to Jesus Christ right now. Lord, I know there's there's probably lots of heart weakness in this room. There's those who are deeply worried about the future. There's those who are feeling hopeless about trials. There's those who are under a weight of guilt. There's those whose hearts just feel empty. And you've got grace for us all through Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray for those here who've who've never bent the knee before Jesus Christ and received Christ into their lives as Savior and Lord and treasure. I pray that right now they would see nothing else is going to strengthen your heart. No other way to get that guilt to lift off. No other way to be forgiven other than God's grace through Christ. So Lord, I pray that today they would bend the knee and come to Jesus Christ and receive your grace. So Lord, pour out your grace upon us. I pray this week that we'd each have times where we are meeting you and experiencing our hearts being strengthened by your grace. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.